Welcome to our mini episode three. In this episode, we take a closer look at a topic covered in episode five, classroom management. In this episode, we briefly discuss technology in the classroom. And in this mini episode, we're going to share some ideas and tips on how to recover when tech fails in the class. This could be anything from slow internet, broken links, or failed interactive polls. Here's just a quick list of some of the things that can happen. We took this from an article called What to Do When Technology Fails in the Class. Your internet access slows down, computers on carts not charged, missing adapters, Adobe, Adobe Flash or Java not installed, forgotten access passwords, missing cables, blocked websites, distorted sound, or faded projection. And I was thinking there may also be issues that we're not even used to as some of us go back to campus and teach in the classroom again, because certain things that we are used to having may not be the same, like laptop carts or ordering laptops or students checking out laptops. Um, you know, if we expect our students to have technology in the classroom, but we're no longer allowed to have that happen for sanitary reasons, um, or we just need to have them clean first, then we need to be prepared for that. So there are actually potentially all these technology issues that COVID is creating for us. Oh, I, I didn't even think about that. And I think that's gonna be a major issue for me because I, on my campus, there's the computer labs are never available. So I always go into the classroom with a laptop cart and um, we are actually removing laptops from the library. So that's definitely gonna be a challenge for me when it comes to technology in the classroom and my expectations of interactivity, for sure. Right. So here are some tips um, uh, as a way to um, get over that hump and what to do. So the first one is, you know, attempt to problem solve. So, you know, if there is an issue with a video or a blocked website, attempt to Google it um, and show students how to find the information while solving the problem. Yeah, I think that works. It's kind of information finding while also solving a problem that you're having that's interfering with your class. And maybe it's something simple, um, I guess, in terms of attempting to problem solve too, is call, always having your um, IT department, having their number with you at all times. Because if you can make a call from your cell phone and have them fix something quick for you, that's easier than having, it do, having to do it yourself. Exactly. And I think it's a good skill to show them uh, mm -hmm. that, you know, it's not always perfect and that you have to kind of be quick on your feet. I think it's a good, even like uh, for, you know, for me, I work at a business college. It's a good skill to have in business that, you know, if you're presenting um, what to do in that, in that situation, you know, they could be pitching to clients, potential clients, um, bosses, whatever. So I think, you know, it's a teachable moment within itself. Yeah, that's true. I didn't even think about connecting it to the discipline. Yeah. Uh, another one which I think I'm pretty good at, maybe I'm too quick to do, is to know when to move on and redirect. Uh, yeah, I think that may depend on the situation, but like in the case of a video not working, right? Maybe just try to YouTube a different one. If it's something about um, information sources, obviously you can find another one because there's hundreds of those, but there's going to be are not an option for that. Um, or if you forget the password to something, is there another source that you can use that isn't password protected? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
we had a situation once when um, a software was blocked from our classrooms and it was the basically the whole reason we came into that class was to use the iClicker software and it was a problem. So we had to switch to uh, paper-based, which I guess goes into our next um, tip, which is to have a backup plan. So when we realized we couldn't get that software back on those computer um, computers, we would then use the paper version of, of the quiz and that worked. It wasn't ideal, it was definitely more work, but it basically saved the activity. Right, exactly. I like this other example that you have here for polling. Just have the students close their eyes and raise their hands to take a and take a tally on the board. Um, I think that's a good thing to do because you know students do get nervous. They have anxiety about being honest with their answers. So yeah, I, I, I think that's good. I've never used it. Have you ever used it before? No, I haven't used that. Um, actually, I think that was from uh, one of our guests, Mary Michelle Moore. She said that she has done that in the past, um, and it's more comfortable for certain students who don't want to see other people, um, who don't want other people to see what they're answering, especially because she was asking people, like, what do you not know about in terms of information literacy? And so they may not want people to know what they don't know. So I like that for a variety of reasons. Yeah. And then the other thing is, um, if you're in an online class and your polling site doesn't work or a website like Padlet and your whole activity is based around that, then you will want to think out a backup plan in advance. I yeah, agree. definitely. I'm already thinking that through now because that we shifted to online only for the fall for, um, for instruction for the library. As I'm planning all my stuff, I'm like, okay, well, this is plan A, <laughs> but what's plan B? Um, because there, you need to have that. And plan B in this case cannot be printed forms, which you could do for an on-site class if I was doing a worksheet. Um, but that's not an option for online, which I guess kind of goes into our next one. Yeah, so our next one is for online classes, use accessibility preparation to your advantage. You want to talk a little bit about what you've been doing? Yeah, so I've started making my slides into PDFs that can be emailed and I send a transcript of what I would say over the slides so that students of various modalities can kind of review it on their own time. Um, and I think that's helpful if you're going to do that already and God forbid you're in an async or you're in a synchronous class and everything stops working, you at least have that as a backup and you know you can um, offer to do one-on-one -on -one appointments with students if that's the professor, something the professor will allow, maybe get extra credit for it. Um, you're not teaching students the same material, but it gives you an opportunity to teach them um, individually. And you may yeah. not be able to yeah. reschedule, right? So you can just send those to the students if you can't reschedule. Yeah, that, that totally makes sense. I, I definitely agree. And the other thing would be, you know, if you're sending along that those materials, you're basically turning your synchronous class into an asynchronous class. Um, you could ask the faculty if they're okay with you also sending along some questions for students to do along with the materials um, so that it becomes kind of an activity, um, which I guess kind of is about pivoting. It's about having all of the stuff prepped and then um, pivoting to be still providing them the same type of information and um, and objectives, so meeting the same objectives without using that particular technology. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, 
this is definitely not an exhaustive list, but I think these are a few great examples of, you know, the fact that, you know, you don't have to just give up when your tech fails. There are other things that you can do. And I think the biggest takeaway is just to prepare, uh, you know, preparation is everything, right? Yeah, exactly. And like I said, that's kind of what I'm thinking through now is if I decide to do a synchronous class and use Padlet, okay, what do I do if Padlet goes down that day? What are the chances of that happening? Probably slim, but you know what? That could be my luck one day. <laughs> so it's going to be my backup if Padlet stops working. It's just, you know, you don't have to think it out all the way to plan Z, but you know, at least give yourself two plans just in case, because we are very reliant on technology right now. We have to be. Uh, so it's definitely important. And they're actually starting to do at my campus, something called high flex, which I had never heard of, like, like zooming us into the classroom. Yeah. So that's like a whole nother batch of can of worms that could open. So I'm, I'm doing a training for that next week. And so I'm going to have to think about what are the potential tech fails for that. Yeah. And, uh, and planning for those. And I'm sure there's probably a great hashtag out there for tech fails in technology on in education on Twitter. So we can all look that up. I'm sure we're going to see a lot of those hashtags in the fall when technology, you know, isn't working for us who are doing remote, um, you know, online learning only. Um, you know, just to go back to your point about high flex, I know there is, um, it's, a, it's a real big buzzword right now. I think there's a few articles in the Chronicle about it. I think um, there's someone who's like, you know, in higher ed that you see a lot on Twitter, Mike Caulfield, I think he was doing um, um, a, a webinar on high flex. Oh, cool. Yeah, so um, I'm sure the recording is available or something somewhere, but I know I, I saw him mention it that like so many people like um, signed up for his thing. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other thing just to talk about, you know, being prepared for the, you know, the unknowns, um, you know, I'm about to go out on leave and um, we support our honors program and everything is basically embedded in a LibGuide, all like, you know, forms and screencasts. And so I, as a part of like preparation for my leave, I gave someone who's going to be managing it, the screencast account information, God forbid the embed code doesn't work. And then I also gave him um, the location of where the actual Camtasia files are, just in case, uh, for some reason, screencast stops working, and he has to upload the MP4s, um, and they can just watch it that way. So, like, I'm trying to prepare for any possible scenario uh, while I'm gone, because like you said, um, we do heavily rely on technology, especially when it comes to supporting that program. So, um, preparation is definitely important, even like if you have to think about like things that are probably never going to happen, it's better to be prepared at least. Right, exactly. So it's, it's making me want to do an audit of all my lesson plans and <laughs> like, wait a minute, do I have plan B's for all of these? I know certain classes that I've done a lot of, I do, but I don't know about everything. So yeah. Yeah, that's, that's definitely an interesting point. Uh, as well. Um, I'd love, I'd love if I had the time to do that, but you got other stuff to focus on. I, yeah, I'm a little busy these days, or I will be at least in, in three days. Um, so those are some of our tips for what to do if tech fails. We'd love to hear some of your tips. So please feel free to share them with us. Um, you know, whether it be in an email or um, through our Twitter page, uh, we'd love to hear from you. 
So that wraps up another episode of the Librarian's Guide to Teaching. Uh, here's where you can find us. You can find the podcast at librarian underscore guide. You can find Jessica at librarygeek611. You can find me, Amanda, at historybuff820. And you can always email us at infolitteachingpodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to rate and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen. We would love to hear from you in the reviews as well. Well. Wow.